The church is not an ordinary people. We are actually the 14th generation that makes up Christ along with Jesus, the Christ. species of being. If you read in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Creature. What is a creature? Something that has just been brought into existence from non-existing materials. This thing did not exist before. It, there is not another one like it before. It is an entirely brand new kind of a being. That is what a, a new creature is. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature. Now, I love the way the man of God, Pastor Chris, explained this word, new creature, as some time ago. The man of God said, the word creature, he said, look at it this way. Imagine you were out in your yard in the evening, and then something just passed. You said, what is this? And you're looking at, what is this? You're trying to draw somebody's attention to you. What is this? Nobody could really describe what passed. They say, they, 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 maybe others didn't see it. They're asking you, what was that? You say, one thing like that, it's not, an, it's not a human being. It's not an animal. You really can't describe it. You say, one, one, a kind of a creature. I saw a kind of a creature that just passed. Because you haven't seen this type before. It's, it's new. It's, a, it's something different to every other Thing that you know that you could describe with. It's not, it's not a human being. It's not an animal. It's not a plant. I mean, what do, what, it's a kind of a creature. So when the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's a different kind of being, a different species of being that didn't exist before. That is who you really are as a Christian. You are not ordinary. You might look like a man. Just like a man looks like an animal, but he's not an animal. Same way a Christian looks like a man, but he's not a man. The Christian is somebody beyond a man. We may have the same skin, like that of a man, the same flesh, like that of a man, the same body, like that of a man. It doesn't make the Christian a man. He's more than a man. Now, I, I could go, I could take a bit of time to show you how scripture actually says that we are not men. Now in Psalms, Jesus was quoting Psalms. He says the Bible says ye are God. Now if you go to where he says it, says it in Psalms, he says you are God. But if you don't know that you are God, you will die like men. Which means if you are a Christian, you are not men. But it's when people don't know who they really are as Christians, then they live like ordinary men. They are plagued by the plague of the world. This, the things that affect ordinary men affect them. There's a flu. Ah, 
they run to go and get a flu shot. There's a virus. They're afraid. They're running up and down. <laughs> Do we take the, should we take the, the vaccine or not? Uh, let's be watching. Let's see how it goes. Uh, are you a Christian? If you are a Christian, you are, you are a spirit being. For goodness sake. What has a virus got to do with a spirit being? Imagine God being affected by virus. What are you talking about? You are not ordinary. Look at what that scripture says. It says, if ye be Christ. Second Corinthians. Chapter 5. Verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ. Now, let me show you something very quickly here. It says, I'll just go there quickly. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, it was Apostle Paul was writing. He says, And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Look at verse 16. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse 16. Apostle Paul was saying in verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds, as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is Christ. I want you to get something established in your mind right now. It's going to help you as we go on to explaining some other things. He said, when God was talking to Abraham, I'm talking on verse 16 now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. When God was talking to Abraham and he said to him, this blessing I'm blessing you is for you and your seed. He's saying in verse 16 here that God didn't say seeds as of many. If he had said seeds, they would have been talking about his many children. No, that was not what God was talking about. God was talking to him about a seed, a particular seed. And here, Apostle Paul helps us to understand that that seed is Christ. And to thy seed, that seed is Christ. That seed is Christ. Now, in verse 29 of this same chapter 3, Galatians, he says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed. Then are ye Abraham's seed. He says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You are Abraham's seed. Now listen. I want you to understand something very clearly here. It says, if ye be Christ's, 
what was written there, Christ, has a apostrophe then S, which is a possessive way of saying either belonging to Christ or being a part of Christ. Now, I've explained before that it didn't mean here if ye belong to Christ, as per if you belong to Jesus Christ. That's not what it means. What it means is that if ye are a part of Christ, it's just like saying, if ye be Australian, it didn't, that does not mean if you belong to Australia. That's not what it means. What it means is if you are a, a member of the Australian nation, if you are part of what makes up Australia as a nation, that's what it means. If ye be Australian, it's the same thing he's saying here. If ye be Christ, which means he's saying if you belong to this body of Christ or to this nation of Christ, if you belong in here, he said, then you are Abraham's seed. Now, the seed of Abraham is actually a spirit being, like it was said here in verse 16. He said, that seed is Christ. That seed is Christ. And I've explained, let me try to save some time so that I can go further into some other things. Please follow me closely, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand the point I'm trying to make here. Now, in summary, Christ is actually a spirit being that is made up of Jesus as the head and the church as the body. The head and the rest of the body form a, a single being called Christ. In the future, I'm, I've said before that I'm looking forward to teaching on a series, Who is Jesus? And then from there, we'll get on to look at who is Christ. But take this picture, it, because it's, you need to have this picture, it's going to help you. Jesus is the head of the church, is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. Both Jesus and the church together make Christ. Now, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm not going to go there now. You can read it. It was Apostle Paul's letter to the, the church in Ephesus. In from verse six, uh, 17 downward, you will see the prayer he prayed in which he described Jesus as head of the church and the body, as and the church as his body. Now, uh, we also use a scripture, or rather we try to look at some verses of scripture in Matthew, in which the generations of, of Christ was, or we are described in Matthew chapter 1. I'll quickly look at that. Matthew chapter 1. There's one interesting thing that happened here, and it will really interest you. Now, in this place, the generations were described from Abraham to Jesus. In verse 17, it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. 
And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. 14, 14, 14. But when you count, reading from verse number two, as the Bible described how Abraham beggared Isaac and Isaac beggared this and this beggared this, when you count it, you will find out that the first block was actually 14, Abraham to David. From David to Babylon, 14. But from Babylon to Jesus was 13. So where is the 14th one? Now, I pointed out that the way you will discover what happened here, that there's not, it's not an error. It's actually a revelation of whom the church is. Now, the way you will find that out is if you read that verse 17 again, what was said was this. I'll read it. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, are 14 generations, 14 generations. Take note that he said unto Christ. He didn't say unto Jesus. But when you go and count this gave birth to this in verse 16, he says, and Jacob beggared Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. He didn't say of whom was born Christ. He said of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. By the time Jesus was born, he was the only Christ to have been born yet. No other person was Christ. He was the only person who was Christ then. Like, but as Jesus said by himself, he said a cone of wheat remained by itself unless it falls down to the ground and die. Until it does that, it, does, it remained by itself. Who was Jesus talking about? What was he talking about? He was talking about his own death. He would have remained the only Christ until he died. When he died and he was raised from the dead, we were all raised together with him. That was how more Christ was better. Now the church was born after Jesus and the church therefore became the 14th in the line. Jesus is the 13th. The church is the 14th. Now, I'll give you a few more scriptures to help us understand this. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read from verse 3. Now, the whole of this scripture is talking about Jesus and what happens after his death. Now, but I'll read from verse 3. I'll make some skip just for time. Now, he says, he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, colon, I'll skip to verse four. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, colon, I'll skip to verse five. Now, of course, if you've been following me, you know why I skip when I meet a colon, because what's gonna be said after that essentially is explaining what was said before. Now in verse five, he says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. In verse 6, it says, All ye like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquities, the iniquity 
of us all. Another day, we, we, I will explain why it says iniquity of us all. Now, let me skip to verse 8. I'm going to skip to verse 8. Now, in verse 8, it says, He was taken from prison, from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Did you take note of the word that generation? He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Let's go to verse 10. For time's sake. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I will explain to you these two verses I've just done, verse 8 and 10. It will help us to understand that point further. Jesus, uh, let me go to verse 10. He says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I'm sure you understand that. He was facing the punishment for sin on our behalf. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Take note. He said, when it was, now this was the prophet speaking ahead of time what was going to happen. And he said, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he, that's this offering for sin, this, this, of course we know it's Jesus. So he was saying, when you shall make, when it pleases you to make Jesus an offering for sin, and at that point of time, after his death, he shall see his seed, which means Jesus will bring forth a seed after him. And through his seed, he shall prolong his generations. He shall prolong his days. Look at that. He says, he shall prolong, he says, I'll read it again from the beginning of verse 10. He says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In other words, God's will to establish his kingdom on the earth we prosper in his hand. Even though he's been cut off, like we saw in the previous verse 8, he said he was taken from prison and, and, and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Who shall declare his generation? Who is going to carry on 
his generation. The other people that were born in his generation, we saw that in Matthew chapter 1 from verse 2. Abraham beggared this, this beggared this, this beggared this. He went on until he got to Jesus. But he was cut off from the land of the living. Who shall continue his generation? Who is going to declare his generation after him? He's been cut off from the land of the living. Why? For this transgression of my people. Was he stricken? He was struck. Crucified for the transgression of my people. Who is going to carry on his generation? Then in verse 10, he explains. He says, yet, after the colon, he says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, when you shall do this thing, he shall see his seed. And through his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Which means what God has committed to him to accomplish, which is to establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth, it will prosper. It, it, it will come to fruition. Even though he was cut off and nobody could talk for him. If you read the preceding verses, you will see what I'm talking about. For example, in verse 7, he says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before Hashira is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was accused wrongly. All of those things were said against him. He opened not his mouth. He was silent. Pilate asked him, don't you even hear all these accusations against you? Don't you speak? Don't you realize I have power to release you now? Or to hand you over for, for, for to be killed? That was what Pilate asked because he wouldn't ask, he wouldn't speak. What was he going to say? He knew what was going to happen anyway. He said he was late, he was taken as a lamb, done to the slaughter. There was nothing he could say. Even though judgment was taken away from him, and he could not continue. He says, Who shall declare his generation? All before now, we saw the generations one after the other. They go to 13th generation. They are supposed to be 14. Who is going to bring forth the 14th generation? He says that's with God. And as Jesus died, according to what he said, if a corn of if a corn of wheat does not fall to the ground and die, it lay by itself. So Jesus was planted of God so that he could bring forth more sons unto himself. And that is what he was showing to us in verse 10. He said, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The church is not an ordinary people. We are actually the 14th generation that makes up Christ along with Jesus, the Christ. Let's look at what Apostle Peter said. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Apostle Peter said, but ye, talking to the church, the Christians, he said, but ye are a chosen generation. We have been, we, we didn't just happen by accident. We were a special generation that has been chosen right from time. We were the generation God has been looking forward to. We are not ordinary. We are a special people. He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him 
who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, time would not permit me to go into explaining the whole of this verse to you. But listen, you are not ordinary. If you are a Christian, you belong in a chosen generation. This is the word of God. He says, but ye are a chosen generation. And look at what he says. He says, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that is you show forth the praises of him that had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to show forth the praises of God. Now, when he says the praises of God here, he's not talking about, I will praise him forever, forever, forever. Praise the Lord who single, single. That's not what he's talking about. It's not just a matter of singing some songs. It's beyond that. He said that we should show forth the praises. That means to show forth his marvelous work, his marvel, his, his, his supremacy, to show forth his uniqueness, who he is. He is beyond the ordinary. We are the ones, not Jesus. We are the one that we demonstrate to the earth and to the world that there is God. We are not ordinary. If the people of the world we know that there is God, it, they will see that God in us. If the people are going to know, for example, in some of our previous series, we, we, we took some, some time ago, maybe last year, and remember us explaining the two things that God executed, the two things that God achieved with the physical Jews when he called them out, when he called Abraham out. With the physical Jews, he demonstrated to the rest of the world that there is only one God. Before that time, they thought every nation has its own God, the God of the Amorites, the God of the, of the, of the Hebrews, the God of the Egyptians, the God of the Philistines, and so on. So they also thought, oh, the God of the Jews or the Hebrews. They thought every nation has its own God. But God said to the, to the Jews, he said, watch out what I'm going to do with you now, beginning from the land of Egypt. He says, by this, I, I will prove to the world that I am the Lord. What does he mean that the whole world might know that I am the Lord? What does he mean? He wanted the world, the whole world to know. Forget about all those things you are thinking about, that you have God's gods. There are no gods. There is only one God, and that's me. And that was what God demonstrated to the nations. If you go study what happened as Israel left Egypt, it was beyond human understanding. They went through the Red Sea when they could have gone through the ordinary land. How did that happen? That the sea parted before the people, and they went through on dry ground. The same sea swallowed up their enemies, and they went through the wilderness for 40 years. How were they being fed? How with all the dangers in the wilderness, they went through. Their clothes remained, their shoes remained, and they were being fed for 40 years. In cold weather, in hot weather, they were protected. That was beyond the ordinary. When they came to Kenna, the people of the, the, the Bible shows to us that the whole people of Kenna, their heart melted before them because they heard what God has done with these people, all uh, bringing them through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. They knew that these people were beyond the ordinary and that their God is the real God. When they took, when they took over the, 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 the side of the of Cana before Jordan. They took the Amorites, they put them down, this one, the king of this and king of that, they put them down and we're ready to go across the Jordan. When Joshua sent the spies across the Jordan, the, 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 the harlot in, in, in Jericho, he told them, we have heard of you guys, how your God has wiped out every nation before you. And, and by now, 
our spirit is gone out of us. We know that you guys are going to talk about this land. What was going on? There was a demonstration to the whole world, to the peoples of the world, that there is only one God. All those things you call gods, they are not real. Guess what, brothers and sisters? Like I have said before, what God did with the physical Jews is a type of what he intends to do with the spiritual Jews, which is you and I. God wants to demonstrate to the world. Now, I've also explained that the physical Jews was to demonstrate to the physical world. The spiritual Jews are to demonstrate to the physical world and then to the spirit realm that there is only one God. Listen, brothers and sisters, there is a call of God upon the church, upon you as a Christian. You are not ordinary and you cannot afford to live an ordinary life. Look at what he says. He says that ye should show forth the praises of him that had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If God has called you out to be his child, to be his son, you can't live an ordinary life. You can't play low. You can't play chicken out. And they say virus, you are afraid, you are running here and there. They say vaccine, you are waiting. I, I, maybe I'll just watch out to take this vaccine. You, did you, did you say you are a child of God? Listen, if you are a child of God, you are not ordinary. In subsequent classes, I'm going to show to you there is a spirit in you. That spirit is not ordinary. Jesus knew the spirit that was in him. In John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am divine, ye are the branches, which means we are of the same plant. The same vein is flowing through Jesus and is flowing through us. The same spirit that indwelled Jesus, that same spirit indwells us. We are not ordinary. If you are a Christian, you can't bow, you can't submit to the systems of the world that is trying to put you under subjection and under control to the elements of the world. You, you, you can't afford it because you are beyond that. You have been lifted above that. I'm not telling you stories. These things are real. When I first heard about 25 to 26 years ago that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is living inside me now. And because he's inside me, he will put health inside my body. He will make my body to be always alive and healthy. I believed it. And since then, 25 years and more, I've not had need for a single paracetamol. Brothers and sisters, the word of God is real. If God says you are not ordinary, you are not ordinary. If God says that you are a chosen generation, God chose you out. He chose us out to use us to demonstrate something to this present world. Listen, brothers and sisters, you cannot be a failure to God. God has a special interest in what he intends to do with you and with me. And we are going to do it because the spirit and the ability is in us. The grace of God is mighty and at work in us. 